You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards from Denver, Colorado. And I'm at Duncanow of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support and find out how you can support us. For episode 43, so we, we've joined our bi-weekly, which that's a frustrating English word because it can mean either twice a month or every other month. Yeah. Um, but or every other week, or week. twice a week. Um, nonetheless, here we go. Uh, I think we've gathered some good topics. I think having a little extra time to soak in more music and more news and uh, formulate some stuff, I think, is going to benefit the show. Uh, at least that's that's what we're selling now. So let's let's go hard. On I'm not that. gonna promise anything. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have some follow up, and uh, one of our our pet peeves on uh, some of the the advice given to musicians. Uh, do you want to carry this one? So someone oh, yeah. asked. Someone asked a question. <laughs> someone asked a question on Reddit. Uh, what is the best way to get music blogs and YouTube channel coverage? Um, well, I was interested in the answer as well, and there was one comment on the thread as I opened it. And the comment starts, actually starts with the sentence, play live as often as you can. And then he goes on with like, invite your bloggers to the show, ask fans to visit the blogs and request coverage of your music, generate fan momentum. It's the easiest and fastest way to get noticed by the press, blogs, management agents and labels. So let me get this straight is if no matter where I live, I should invite bloggers and agents to my show and that'll work. That will work. <laughs> Just do it as often as possible as you can as just play live just just play live and the youtube channels will just come flocking to you because everybody knows <laughs> youtube channels and live shows local live shows they go together like hand in hand it's yeah the people obvious. that r run youtube channels aren't afraid of the outside world at all <laughs> um well, me being the shit disturber that I am decide to <laughs> comment on this thread so we'll include a link and you can see my snarky yeah. angry comment about how playing live appears to be the answer for everything yeah so now th there's still the question the unanswered question uh what is the best way to get music blocks and channel coverage and as far as i know the best way that you still the best avenue you still have is just submitting it to them they always have <laughs> yeah. some way some form some email address where you can just send your stuff now, of course, a lot of people are going to do that. So it's the problem you always have that um, you have to stand out from the crowd. And of course, that's not easy just with an email. But what other way is there unless like that the blog, somebody who writes that blog, sees your stuff on another blog. So, of course, the more you already have, the more you get. That's the, the thing you always have with promotion online. And if there's one big article on you, there's going to be a thousand small articles on you afterwards. But playing live is just such a cop-out to just be like, play live. Well, we'll have some later topics. We'll cover this whole, uh, what is the nature of press coverage anyway? Um, yeah. And also um, another topic I'll, I'll be covering on my plans regarding live stuff. Um, but we're, we're also throwing in, uh, you know, I wasn't just snarky in the Reddit thread, but privately, of course, I had to throw a little hissy fit of jokes about live being the answer to everything, no matter what. And uh, so we'll share that a little bit. Um, another bit of follow-up is, uh, so Google Music, I want to give them props. Uh, last episode, I complained about how their radio feature was featured above 
everything else on search results, which is driving me crazy because if I'm searching for a certain album, I don't want radio. I want that album. And uh, I don't know when this update landed, but next time I went into Google Music, that was no longer the case. It was actually showing me artists and album and song results first. So props, Google. Thank you for fixing that. Uh, but I have a new complaint. And uh, this is another one. So here's here's the, the workflow of how you reach this thing that annoys me. If I navigate through my library to an artist and then to a specific album of that artist. So if I go my library, Michael Edwards, albums, demo, um, then the list of songs inside of demo are any song with the album of demo, no matter which artist it is, even though I started out my filter list by going to Michael Edwards specifically. And uh, that's annoying because I have, you know, I've been in a lot of different projects and sometimes I just want to look at a certain projects demos and i was lazy about the album name and don't punish me for that it's your fault it's all your fault <laughs> i don't know there's much to say about that it's just annoying so stop it google um stop it <laughs> i don't have to sample anymore sorry <laughs> so we just have to we just have to wing it so we should get into our actual show we do have some uh, sort of big movements in the the the, the music world including a, a new announcement from zune um but first off, uh, RDO filed for bankruptcy. Sad face. I was never an RDO user, but um, I always heard that it was the best UI and that it was like the, the most pleasant to use. And I know we're not huge fans of Spotify's interface all the time. And iTunes, for sure, is really awful. <laughs> um, Apple Music, not also awful. Um, so it's kind of sad to see RDO not win for having better design. I mean, they it's lost it. to one of them, one of them go because competition is always good. And the more you have on the market, the more choice the the user has, the listener has, it's always good. But except yeah, whenever Rhapsody. one of them shuts, except, okay. But uh, although I've never actually been able to use audio, it's always sad to see someone like this go. It's like when Groove Shark had to shut down. Although, of course, they had some other problems. Um, with with licensing and copyright <laughs> yeah that, that little hairy problem there um, um the silver lining depending on where you are in, in music streaming is that pandora is buying its tech and so maybe pandora will get better as a result of this pandora is kind of irrelevant to me but i know there are diehard people that love it yeah so. yeah and isn't it also isn't there, a, uh, when, when you want to submit music, isn't there a direct way on Pandora? I think that it's one of those that don't have a, you don't have to be on a distributor for. Huh. Not aware of that either way. L let me find that out. I, th I always have that in my mind where you can go and say, yeah, go to Pandora, submit your, so they review your stuff and then they put it up. It may take some time. They make sure it's not a Jessica Simpson album repackaged. Yes, <laughs> maybe they do. Um, because I, I think it was when I submitted my EP to Louder that the option for Pandora was actually a link to Pandora instead of uh, just a check mark that I had to tick. Well, I know uh, Spotify was dabbling with podcasts and Google's getting more serious about podcasts too. How long until all of these services just flip a switch and go, yeah, podcast included? Yeah, that, that would be cool. I would love that. Yeah. So distribution information... Yep, Pandora, go to direct submission. So Pandora, always the one where you can just send your stuff to. So I would wager a lot more indie stuff on there than on the other platforms. Yeah, a whole lot more crap. I mean, indie stuff. <laughs> Actually, the commercial stuff's pretty crap too. So 
There's there's a good presentation out there called 90% of everything is crap. Um, Zune. So Zune was still a thing is the news to me. Apparently, but, yeah. <laughs> um, so Microsoft officially is pulling the plug on their, their, their streaming service part of Zune. They haven't sold a Zune device for a long time. Yeah, but they, I think they, it's 2011 that they discontinued the, the actual Zune. Yeah, but they still ran a, a service where you could download songs and stream them and so forth. And apparently that in the middle of this month, um, or no, we're already past it. It's already, yeah. yeah, I'm misreading my dates. It's already down, so it's been retired. Did you ever have a Zune? No, but I always wished for one. Um, when when the first iPods came out and I, for some reason, didn't want to get an iPod, um, maybe it's because of those... Uh, when people were saying, yeah, if you have an iPod, you have to have a Mac or something. Like, stupid things that don't make any sense. <laughs> but if you don't have a better idea, of course, you believe it. Um, so my actually, my, my first MP3 player was like a little 265, uh, 256 MB uh, regular MP3 player. And then I got uh, one with a hard drive by Creative, like a 20 gigabyte hard drive player. And that thing was amazing, except for that it broke down every year. But it's, <laughs> it was always in the warranty, so I got that thing replaced two times. And um, I was playing the thing every day. And but then the Zune came out, and was I, I wasn't necessarily a Microsoft fanboy, but I liked the idea of the Zune because it was like, oh, it's something like the iPod, but it's not Apple, and I have Windows, so it might just work. And yeah. what I really liked about it was a feature that I. To this day, I can't really believe they pulled off back in the day. Um, not because of technical reasons, but because of licensing reasons. Um, thinking about today, from the first generation on, you were able to share some music to other people, to, the, to other Zoom users you met, and they could listen to the song, I think, three or five times. So you, you can get them hooked on the music you already have. It's like exchanging tapes, but the tape deteriorates after the fifth play. And... <laughs> I I quite like that idea. I mean, t- today you can't do that anymore because everybody has free streaming availabilities anyway. But back in the day, that that was a cool feature, and I always liked that feature. I know I could I would have never met any person who had a Zoom to share my music with, but <laughs> um, that feature for me was was amazing. Um, yeah, still never gotten a Zoom. Now, were you a fan of the chocolate brown color that they, they launched with? No, no. But I did like the logo. I didn't like it enough to get it tattooed, but I... The logo is cool, but yeah, don't tattoo that. Let, let, me, let me find that picture because there was actually one uh, person who Zoom logo tattooed. You know what? I, I kind of want to venerate Microsoft a little bit. The brown Zoom doesn't look bad. And actually, there's... Too few people try to make brown work in technology. Everything's white or black, and it's just kind of it's getting boring. Oh man, we might have to include this this Zoom tattoo guy. It is a cool logo. It's not something you should get a tattoo of, but it's a cool logo. <laughs> not that I would presume to tell someone what they should get a tattoo of. Um, well, let me find the actual the first Zoom commercial that I saw it was with like two birds, where one of them. Like gave a spark to the other one. Yeah, there it is. Zoom bird commercial, and also the song. I like it. It's it's like the whole the, the marketing worked on me completely. I gotta I gotta admit to that. Um, it it just seemed very fresh back in the day, but yeah, it never really took off, and I I find that sad. 
that, yeah. that the Zoo never really taking off. It's it's like the Dreamcast, where the Dreamcast was a great console, but it never really it never t- took off, and then yeah, it was kind of retired early. As I said before, more competition is always good. So yeah, we don't have the Zune anymore. I mean, nowadays people just get cell phones and those are the MP3 players. You don't have have to have a dedicated MP3 player anymore. Yeah. But if you did want to get one and you weren't a, you weren't a Mac user, Apple user all the way through, what were, what would your um, options be other than anything iPod? Yeah. What would you get? What's kind of amazing to me is that Sony was so far behind and never a player in any sense in this space. I mean, it's kind of a famous like falling down for Sony that they they own the 80s and even yeah. most of the 90s with their Discmans and just nothing. They just got nothing. They were like, "Oh, mini discs. We're gonna like kick around this weird format. You have to actively record, and then it's DRM'd immediately from that point <laughs> on." And like. Uh, it's horrible. Says the guy who used it for nine years straight. I did because <laughs> it, it was really convenient for a very weird slice <laughs> of my life, uh, but not practical for most people. Oh, mini disc. I have, I have nostalgia for them, even though they're not a Dreamcast technology. It's not. It, sh- <laughs> it shouldn't have won, um, and it's good that it didn't win. But still, it's kind of fun. I always thought that uh, when I had a Game Boy, but never had a mini disc uh, player, like. Man, they should bring out an, a, a Game Boy which plays mini discs, and then the PSP came out. I was like, nah, nah, nah never mind. UMDs. Ah, <laughs> uh, another more newsy topic is uh, so Yahoo um, accidentally, you know, Yahoo actually creates articles. Apparently, well, sort of. Um, they accidentally prematurely published their record review of Rihanna's new album, and. Uh, it wasn't just an early release of a finished review. It was full of templated language and uh, forced narrative that they were going to fill in later. And so uh, this is kind of amazing. And uh, the the tweet we'll share that includes a screenshot of it because Yahoo's taken this down now, obviously. Um, is uh, Yahoo's prematurely published Rihanna record review is a masterpiece of postmodern non-journalism. And so um, I think, you know, clearly what he means by that is the story was already decided upon before anyone examined Rihanna's new album or its context in the world whatsoever. And so there's all these bracketed parts of the sentence, like Rihanna dropped her long awaited album on bracket Friday, but, you know, change that if it was a different day. That one's fine. Whatever. You might have that written ahead of time when someone's going to make an album. But then later, it's like, delete one of these sentences and keep the other based on facts. <laughs> you got to give it to them. At least it says based on facts, <laughs> not based on what suits a narrative or which sells better. Yeah. But uh, what I what I find the most damning, because most of this you might just be like, well, you might have sort of a, a template for an album review and you know you're Yahoo. You're not a real piece of journalism you're just trying to summarize what this is um the most damning of these bracketed like slots for content to go into is this sentence rihanna especially pushes the edge in bracket name relevant song from album that matches description close bracket where she sings bracket lyrics (laughs) and so the narrative has already been decided that she pushes the edge somewhere we don't know where yet, but we've just decided that's what's going to happen on our album. And we'll figure out which song and what lyrics matter later. 
<laughs> it all reminds me of that British sketch, and I'm trying to find it, where um, this guy, or I don't know if it's a woman, where this reporter um, is doing like a template report on BBC and uh and it's like and now we cut to a shot of people walking through the streets and then i approach the camera while i'm talking about this very important issue uh, is that Grab charlie brooker yeah i think that it's that's it so this is the guy that uh created uh black mirror but he had some really great uh meta news pieces he created about how journalism works or doesn't yeah, how work. to report the news that is yeah. we're gonna put that in the show notes because that article is just that yeah um so my main reaction other than that this is hilarious is uh i'm not surprised um and you know this is sort of where we're at with journalism these days and um maybe it, it applies some good context to as a musician you're hungry for coverage and press coverage and uh maybe realizing that at least at the level of like major magazines and and places like yahoo or aggregators that it's not some studious fan of music that's carefully listening to your album with the best headphones in a anechoic chamber and like giving you the utmost in cultural criticism it's really prepackaged crap that uh the pr agency sends them what they want the album story to be ahead of time so that yahoo doesn't have to work hard and you know a lot of this crap uh goes on and you know the idea that you are going to get some great coverage in the press that's honest and true journalism you got to look for that from special special fans and special people that realize your music is special and i really don't think you get that from typical media yeah I think the the smaller the venue you talk uh, that's talking about you is, um, the smaller it is, the more the people are really going to focus on the music, and it's not just a wagon for promotion and marketing, because I mean that's what Yahoo is. Yahoo just wants to sell ad space, and probably content in their articles, which this obviously is. And yeah, if if I mean there are special music blogs. I mean I can see that. Um, bigger blocks like pitchfork or, or something like that of course they care about the music they are primarily music block they have an audience that um respects their opinion mostly i guess it, it would be uh, damaging the to their it would yeah. damage their product if it came out that they did the same thing right people expect them to actually review the stuff that they're posting so it would be detrimental to their own value if they started putting out something like this yahoo article but yeah, yeah. if it's if it's yahoo yahoo the the i don't know they they talk about anything on their website anything that's news <laughs> anything that's popular well they're just going to talk about it because people want to read about it not because they actually care about the content yeah and i i kind of want to contrast like Half of these bracketed phrases I don't find like alarming. It's like, no, oh, no, of course. It's sort of like, no, it's a lot of newspapers have standing obituaries ready for aging artists and actors and directors so that when they do die, it doesn't take a month to research what their career meant. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, you, you your standing obituary gets 10 years old. You got to update it a little bit like, oh, Scorsese made a few more films and this happened. But, um, you, you know, you have those things in the bag so that when that 
that moment strikes, you can publish quickly. But this is, you know, this went a little too far because it, it was the, the narrative of the album was set before the content was there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not surprised. It's this kind of spam that's all over the internet and it's destroying human civilization. But that's okay. Uh, a couple uh, less newsy topics. Um, for one, uh, there's this new uh, DAW for iOS. So DAW, if you're if you're not listening every week, is Digital Audio Workstation, or, and I'm sure maybe it means other things too. Um, no, so, no DAW. Um, <laughs> so th- this one's called Ferrite, and it's for iOS, and so it's for iPhone and iPad, and uh, it's kind of making some at least Mac blog corner of the universe headlines just for being surprisingly featured for a mobile platform and uh that comes down to you can multi-track you can do per track effects you could do automation of those effects and you can do import and export from all kinds of storage and cloud storage and uh um, and it's designed touch first. There is no desktop app. This is not trying to mimic some existing product line. It's a mobile first DAW. And so that just kind of caught my eye. So I went ahead and uh, installed it. And true to being a mobile app, it's free with in-app purchases to unlock automation and some of the, the deeper effects. Pay $1 to get one more audio track. Pay 2 to get a stereo <laughs> track. No, they didn't do it that way. You don't have to buy crystal bags of crystal shards or anything to, to record your album. But um, thankfully, they're very straightforward. It's 10 bucks for some of the features or $20 for all of them. And it's one time. That's it. And uh, when you look at how much Logic or Ableton or all these other platforms cost, that is a steal. And yeah. there's actually a big problem with mobile software where it, developers can't make a living off of it because no one will pay more than nothing for it. Um, anyway, that aside, I tried it out and I didn't. I didn't do like a real project on it. I just kind of dicked around with my microphone and tried the editing. And I was kind of surprised it wasn't that bad. Like you, you draw fades with your finger. Um, you know, the context menus are pretty obvious to add effects, to export, to chain things. Um, it was pretty easy and you could do quite a bit with it, I would imagine, if you were dedicated to it. Um, I'm broken though because I, I've spent 10 plus years in logic. So I'm so like my whole psyche is shaped into the shape of that DAW and that the, the opportunity cost of trying to go to a different platform, like that's a high wall to climb. And so, you know, I'm married to my keyboard shortcuts to my just the neural pathways that have been forged in my body for doing music and logic that uh, I'm probably not going to switch to a, a touch first DAW, but I am sort of interested and I could, I could definitely see someone who's never spent any time in any of the software starting with this and really enjoying it and uh, doing plenty with it. One thing that interests me is um, how do you get sound in there? Like the you said that it is able to record stuff. So is there a way to hook up an audio interface to your iPad? How does that work? So there's, that's one of the benefits of iOS being a popular platform is uh, people do develop add-ons and uh, devices that can hook in through the lightning port and give you uh, high-quality input. Um also, sure, I think this year, we didn't really cover it on the much on our, our, our show, but they came out with a bunch of iOS-focused microphones. So they, they hook straight onto any iOS device and record straight into it. And uh, 
So that's there. Um, you're still, if you, if you go into it thinking, if you come into it from a desktop mindset, you're just going to be like, oh my God, I'm giving up so many things. Um, and th- that's just going to be the story of your life there. Um, but if you're coming into it from, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm a dog with a camera at a wedding, um, <laughs> <laughs> then it, you know, it, it's a different perspective on what you can do with it. And, you know, iOS is very limiting as far as what you can do with piping audio around. It's not like um, Rewire and all those technologies that let you use synths from any app in another app and like do kind of amazing stuff. Yeah, like stuff. that ever worked. <laughs> True. Maybe it never <laughs> works. Um, there actually is an app called Audio Bus for iOS that supposedly lets you connect different audio apps. Um, I never used it. Um, never tried. But... Nonetheless, it's it's kind of a space like I truly believe software is the future of music, so I'm always trying to be aware of what's happening, um, even if I'm s- an old man already and stuck in some old stuck software. in desktop world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but I could easily imagine like there's certain things you do in a DAW that um, a touch interface would do well, like anything involving drawing curves. Like yeah, you could you could get 99 percent of what you want. And then use some tools to tweak it after that. Um, and and again, I, I could see a, a touch world that still has a keyboard involved. And uh, just give me a million keyboard shortcuts, and I will give up the mouse. Like I'll, I'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah, what I like about the idea is um, if you have something with multi-touch, which basically every tablet has nowadays, um, being able to tweak multiple parameters at a time by actually using multiple fingers at a time. I mean, that's cool. Um, usually I'm, I work mostly with my mouse. Unless I have something mapped to one of my MIDI controllers, I have to use my mouth and I can, my mouth. <laughs> it's, it's the mouse. Pew, pew, pew. Um, I actually have to use my mouse and I can only control one parameter at a time. Now Ableton has this function where you can map two parameters to an XY grid and you can just, uh, like on a chaos pad, you can just uh, pull it around. But you don't always want to do that. And it, yeah, just having, being able to touch whatever you want, you want to uh, manipulate. That's, that's always cool. That's the reason why I have so many MIDI controllers. And then I don't use them <laughs> when I compose music because the time it takes to map any new parameter because I don't use any template anymore. I think I talked about this where I just always start from scratch because that's really helped me, uh, not to fall into the same patterns. That actually means that I actually have to remap anything I want to use every time I make a new song. So maybe at some point I'll try to edit an entire podcast episode on Fairride and report back if it was okay or horrible. But <laughs> from my first impression, it would be fine. Like, yeah, I'm faster in Logic because I just know what I'm doing. Boom, boom, boom. But um, I think it could be done. Uh, something I'll say... Yeah, you're making new music again, and I'm really excited for that. <laughs> yeah, and this is kind of, I, I feel a little conflicted about even like announcing it on a show, but because um, now we're going to hold you on to that. Like, hey, where's yeah. that new music, Mike? Where is and it, it? And it wouldn't be the, it yet. <laughs> would be the first time I've like, hey, I'm working on some stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I really am, and I, I feel like the, the momentum has built in me that I'm going to produce a full length. I, I don't know what it is now. Um, I have some ideas. I've been working on lyrics um, and, and just kind of concepts, and I'm kind of really excited to just start making stuff and see where it goes. And, uh, um, you know, as far as what it'll sound like or anything like that, I really don't know. 
Um, but it'll sound like me, whatever that means. <laughs> um, I think that's the, the main thing is there's just kind of this return inward that uh, I've kind of been spending a lot of time playing in other groups and other bands. And uh, even with Genetic Engines was really trying to see what would happen if I invited other people into the fold to collaborate on music. And now I'm like, nah, I'm going to do this all myself. <laughs> and I'm just going to go back into that cave and, and marinate for a while and see what happens. And uh, so I'm really excited about that. Um, uh, I thought there's a few other things that I'm feeling about how I'm going to do this that I might talk about. And uh, number one is I have no intention or nothing about the way the music is produced is going to be with an eye towards playing it live. I don't care. I'm opting out of live mattering. Um, but how are you going to get press coverage then on YouTube channels? <laughs> uh, I guess or I'll anything, just, anything. <laughs> I'll just have to do without that. Um, I'm just, I'm just opting out. I'm just going to create stuff. I'm not going to worry about having a band and booking shows and, and worrying about that. I just, it's not what I enjoy about the musical process. You know, it's not, I mean, I, there's been live shows I've enjoyed immensely, but the, the entire machine of it is fatiguing and tiring to me. So I'm just gonna, just gonna opt out for a while. Um, I'm gonna try my damnedest not to share it as I go because that's another thing. Um, I think there's a psychological thing. Like if you're working on a project and you share an in progress version, um, your brain goes, I'm done. I accomplished something. Yeah. I yeah. made it and I shared it. <laughs> I'm done. And I, I really don't want to do that. And uh, also just to kind of preserve the, the, the fun of saying, I took time on this. Here it is. Yeah. You, you haven't already heard it. Here we go. I sometimes um, have that feeling with, with my release model right now, where I do release the stuff once I'm at the like 90% mark of being uh, fine with it. But uh, yeah, every once in a while I update a song like it's software and then, uh, <laughs> hey, everyone, there's a new version of that song online. It's got a new verse and uh, yeah, it's fun <laughs> to sometimes revisit it. But I, I, I know about the psychological effect of sharing something. And most of the time I don't like sharing something that's working progress just because I know the feedback I'm going to get is the things that I already know about them. Like, uh, oh, yeah, you should work on that rhythm. Yeah, it's not finished. Oh, you should work on that chord change. Maybe, yeah, I know it's not finished. And then I'm like, yeah, why did I ch share that in the first place? So, and unless I am really like at the place like, I don't know what to do. I think I sent you a song once and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And uh, I still haven't progressed in this song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the other things I think I know I want to do with this is I want to have a, a strong visual art component that I also produce and grow in. So whether that's uh, painting or sketching or animation, um, I want that to be part of it and to be seamlessly a kind of, it's a whole thing. You want the synergy. Yeah. Synergy, synergistic combination. Um, and to kind of celebrate this new journey I'm trying to go on is, uh, I, I just found that Bandcamp had a new feature where you could discount your entire discography. And I was like, that's cool. Like to encourage someone who, who, who might only grab like your, your EP or one song or something to be like, nah, I'll just throw it down for the whole thing. <clears throat> um, I've had zero takers so far, but uh, I, <laughs> we will have a link in the show notes uh, where you can, you can check out my other releases. Um, the the soundtrack to Detective Detective Detective, um, the only publicly available full length I've ever created called Genetic Engines, 
um, the EP I made as a band for Genetic Engines, and then a, a really old EP I made called Snowy EP. Um, so which that's is all still great, which is which I still listen to in the winter. You can hear what twenty-year-old Mike sounds like when he sings. Um, <laughs> so that's a whole bunch of nonsense, you know, parade for something that doesn't exist yet, which is probably the worst way to go about this. But you're, it's too <laughs> I'm late. I'm going to remind you every two weeks about it. <laughs> yeah. A uh, couple want, more I want statistics. I want progress. <laughs> no, it'll be done when it's done. So tell me about this Ambitron. Yeah, this is some crazy thing that Tom Cosm invented. So Tom Cosm is widely known in the Ableton community for his uh, tutorials on YouTube. And uh, when he posts songs, he actually like posts a video of Ableton playing the song back. And he's doing some wild stuff with it. And um, the thing was, Ableton is since version, I think, 8, it comes with Max for Life. And Max for Life is like this visual programming tool where you can like hook digital or virtual wires up between things which do different stuff to MIDI and sound and music. And you can build your own effects and instruments. And it's actually quite powerful. I tried to work myself into it, but it's... Yeah, it's very overwhelming at the beginning. And even if you have like a very simple idea in mind, you have to read tons of tutorials just to get to that little point of like, I want this pitch to go this way. Um, but yeah, once you worked into that, I guess it's even easier than just having to code it all in, I don't know, C or C++. Um, so he built this Ambitron, which is basically Twitch Play Synthesizer. So... Um, I think it's actually live right now. The last time I checked, it was offline, and uh, I think it's it's live right now. So um, let me just describe what you're seeing. So on the left, you um, hidden behind some crazy animation with a lot of shapes rotating and blinking, you can actually see the Ableton Live in the background. And then there's a thousand like virtual knobs that you can turn if you if you would could, uh, could you if you could uh, put your mouse on it. So what you actually have to do is you write comments in the chat and then it reacts to that. Like you, you can turn up some delay on an instrument. You can, I guess, add a note to the melody or add a note to the drums. And uh, yeah, everybody can contribute a little bit to it. And I have to say, um, I don't know about the amount of randomness, especially in the notes, because I mean, that's where it all stands and falls with the, the melody that it produced. But it actually sounds quite great. Like... I have to imagine like it snaps to some sort of scale so people don't go all tritone over it. But it actually sounds kind of soothing and amazing. Um, now the loops are quite short. Like if, if there isn't a lot changing, it can get a bit boring maybe within a few minutes. But I find it quite relaxing. I would, I would have that open in the background every once in a while I go in the chat and be like, yeah, give me more bacon or give me more insects because <laughs> the symbols on the right, like the, the sound effects that you can introduce, um, right when we started recording, I think, uh, like kids and birds were in full effect. And then at some point the bacon just <laughs> faded in and it did, it did that again right now. The fa the bacon faded in and faded out again. So yeah, that's crazy. So you can fade those in and out. You can manipulate any parameters you see. It's yeah. I like that. It's crazy. Um, I could see someone seeing that and kind of be tempted to go, 
meh or you know like to kind of be dismissive but um there's something really special about this and I've, i'm trying to figure out what it is and uh there, there's something about it that's just different than normal music and it yeah it's a massively participatory thing um but even that isn't necessarily new for music i mean there, there's audience interaction in many forms of music there's forms of in traditions of music where people hop into the drum circle themselves in some way. Um, but there's something about this that's just new at the same time, even if it's, it's using some of those old elements. And, uh, I, you know, I wonder if like, you know, what will this look like in 50 years when it's not just, ha, we made bacon and, 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 you know, <laughs> cricket noises like move up and down, but like what, what is like the grown up version of this genre that we don't even know what it is yet? That, that involves the input of hundreds and thousands of people. And, you know, how is it a different experience than other stuff? Yeah. Um, it's, it's like this whole new genre of generative music, which we're going to get into you know, with our next topic, which is almost as it has the same direction. But yeah, I think we'll, we'll be able to see a lot more music that's just generated by let's say unconventional means, not necessarily by random things or just completely by the computer. Maybe it's crowdsourced like it is here. And maybe there's some kind of director directing it all, but maybe that's just the software which is keeping things in bounds. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that, like pro procedural music that actually sounds good and not like the stuff that I've uh, heard from and when uh, there was some science project at my at my university where somebody tried something like that and it sounded horrible maybe it's just because <laughs> he he used like general midi sounds but um we've we've come a long way but it hasn't really broken to the surface yet but i hope that it, that will happen soon um because there are really some good things that can come out of it mm -hmm. and uh yeah one of those things um so tim exile just brought out uh, a new effect so tim exile i talked about him before where he also d did this live jam thing where you could say it's like crowdsourced music where people send him samples and he mangles them in this live jam like right away and it, it was always fun to participate in that. So um, he was working on some generative music or procedural music himself. He posted some things on, on SoundCloud, uh, I think a year back, of uh, things that he said that he cultivated, that he didn't really have any input in, except for like the starting sample that's in the beginning. And now they've turned that in a, into an effect that you can buy. And uh, this is all sound, going to sound like a big advertisement for it um, because it more or less is because it's, it's amazing <laughs> and I'm already hooked. So Tim Exile's Flash, which came after the finger and the mouth, which he gave to us. <laughs> what does it do? Um, it you, you put a sample in it or you put actually you can put 12 samples in it, but you always play back like one sample at a time. And so it analyzes the sample based on how much uh, low frequency, high frequency is there, the transients. So um, it generates like triggers, which then get sent to other synthesizers and sound producers. So um, it, like you have one synthesizer that gets like, okay, so here's a trigger and it's a high note and here's a trigger that's a low note. And, send, and then you can say like, okay, when this happens, the melody should go upwards and this filter should open up and this uh, modulation should start going back and forth and you have like one mono synthesizer you've got one polyphonic synthesizer you've got a sub bass which i don't really use that much like really those sub basses um i, I like my, my my bass with a little bit more trouble in it <laughs> uh, i like more trouble in it um <laughs> 
And, and then there's like one more effect send where it's like, uh, he, I think he described it as, uh, dub delay on steroids. And it really, it's, it's, it has Tim Exile all over it because it has his trademark glitchiness and mangling and all that. But from the beginning, I thought this is, this is just what I need, but can it actually fulfill my sound needs as well? Or will it just sound like Tim Exile? Will it just sound yeah, like true. this <laughs> very hectic uh, electro stuff? So I downloaded the demo and I tried it out a little bit. And so, so this is the thing that came out of it like two minutes after I've opened it. Sounds like Sega Genesis. Yeah. And, and what I liked about it is that the, the harmony and the chord progression that you get out of it is so easy to produce. So, um, it, it has like three sections that you usually want to control. So you've got a harmony section where you can program chords into it. So like my, my C is actually a C minor and then the D is actually the F major or something. And, um, you can get really crazy with those chords. Um, in the middle section, you can, like the next octave, you can choose which, choose which sample it should be based on. And on the right side, you have like presets for the whole sounds for the synthesizers. Like which, what, how should it sound like? And you can change between them anytime, like within the, within the measure. Like anytime you press it, things are going to change and think, things are going to fade over perfectly. Like there, there are no clicks or anything. And, um, yeah, I played around with it a little more and, I can actually use that thing. Like, I, it it doesn't have to be that crazy dubby stuff. It can actually work with like some calm stuff, or you can get really energetic with it. And the thing is, just it's so hard to control because you're juggling three synthesizers which you don't control directly. You're only controlling the source which they react to. So you have to do a lot of planning beforehand. But once that's done, man, you can improvise some crazy shit on this. Yeah. Um- I like to think of this as just one of these people at the forefront that kind of is inventing the future tools for us and they're doing it now. And yeah. I mean, again, we, we've made fun of those people who are like, you got to use a real guitar. Come on. <laughs> um, um, I think I, you know, that's not a mainstream view. There's, there's weird people that have decided one thing is what music is, but uh, most people I think are, are open to variety. And, uh, yeah, I think that that was the main question I had is, this looks really cool. Will I only sound like Tim Exile if I use it? <laughs> um, or is it, you know, one of those... And that's what's great about all the instruments we do have that survive till this day is that they afforded... A, you know, they empowered musicians to do things with them. So the piano, one of the most expressive instruments of all time, can do so many different things. And that's why a piano is so magical to me. And... uh you know, good tools of the future will have that feature um, where different people can get such different things out of it. Yeah, and I hope I will hear a lot of different things. So he started actually, he started a Tumblr where people should send in the stuff that they produce with Flash. And um, and yeah, the use for it generally is that, that uh, on the one side you can use it to, um, which is why it's called Flash, you can flash out samples like you can produce some ideas for new songs like right away you can perform them right away but what i'm actually going to use them for is for my for my live jamming that i'm that i want to start doing in january um because the thing when you're looping stuff and i i want to work without backing tracks that was the important thing for me i just want to loop stuff that i come with up with on the fly but the problem is you always have that pattern of build up 
And yeah. when the next sections come, there's a new build up. You always have to build up a new. Hey guys, hang on a minute. Yeah. I gotta make yeah. my song. <laughs> Un- unless there is a constant between those two segments, between like the verse and the chorus, you always have to build it up a new. But with this, um, I can just say, okay, so here's, here comes the next part. I'm just gonna send another harmony or chord progression to this thing, but, and just hit that sound and it's a different sound. And then you can just have it keep playing while you come up with another stuff uh, with some other stuff yourself so it's like that's going to be the constant in my life set where if i want to introduce something new i'm just going to let that thing run i'll look forward to seeing what you produce with that yeah i'm excited so so far the, the jamming has been fun uh but i haven't mastered it like <laughs> i can always like work in this little scheme but uh in this little pattern but I, I know it's possible to to get a lot out of it but i just it's like a new instrument you have to learn it it's like yeah when when i picked up the guitar back then and i al- already played piano i was like i know what this thing can do but i can't do it right now <laughs> yeah uh that's always the frustrating but fun part of new stuff yeah so picks of the week uh every episode we, we pick a song picks Woo! of the bye week picks of the bye week so yeah, every every episode we pick a song we want to share, and we only pick one song, though in a way you might have sort of two songs, but oh. um, not really, one song. Um, <laughs> I think I'll go first this time, because I closed out last episode, and uh, my pick this week is a, a track by the Besnard Lakes called Albatross, and uh, there's two main features that hooked me on this song, and number one is there's this detuned guitar and that's just delicious. So that's I, that's all I'm going to say about that. And then also the the production of this song, um, it's got kind of a, a mellow, droney repetitiveness to it. But it's kind of it just kind of suits me these days. So um, it was kind of the, the fog I wanted to roll in musically. And so um, I, I just kind of enjoyed the the vibe of this track. So let's check out some Besnard Lake's Albatross. So enjoyable track. What did you think of it? Well, I think that song's a hole in one. Uh, it's kind of on par for the course with what I can see you listen to, and it hit off pretty well. But it's okay. That's enough with the golf jokes. Um, <laughs> no, I really enjoyed the song. I, I like. I enjoyed the 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 distortion on any on everything. That's there's a little bit of saturation on everything, but mostly the guitar sound is it's overdriven but still so buttery smooth like every time those two guitars on the sides join in on on the chorus or around the chorus it's like wow it's so it's so overdriven but it's so smooth like how can you do that yeah. it's uh, like dialing in the right amount of overdrive is always it's always uh um i know it's harder than than it sounds like uh every time i have to record something distorted it ends up too distorted yeah, and also like the rhythm. The rhythm is something special. Uh, th- there is a lot of toms which I don't usually enjoy that much, but it just rumbles, and, and the, the you don't have this typical thing of uh, um, interchanging bass and 
uh, kick and snare all the time. Like it's just, or just some variant yeah. of no, it's, it's like, it's, it, it's holding back all the time. Like you feel like there, there's so much energy in the rooms, but it's not yeah. being released right now. And maybe that's the only thing that kind of drives me crazy about this song is it, there are some little, little booms and dynamic shifts that are satisfying, but it, it's like the song never quite hits that heavenly level that you think it's going to get to. Yeah. And maybe that keeps me coming back to the song, but there's always like, there's a slight dissatisfaction I have with this song, even <laughs> though there's so many things I like about it. And I'm, I'm still figuring out how that works. Um, it's, it's an interesting song. Definitely. So what's your pick of the week? So my pick of the week is from the Super Nintendo game Terra Enigma, which never released in the US. So it's by Miyoko Kobayashi and Masanori Hikichi. The soundtrack is? The soundtrack is by them. And um, I'm not sure about the actual title of the song. So it could be just the overworld theme uh, the, or the literal translation light side field or just uh, to another wide open world, which I know it by. So just to set the scene, this game starts in the underworld where like on the inside of the planet so the actual overworld down there is concave and it's a very crazy effect uh like um mode seven effect on steroids and um at some point you travel to the overworld which hasn't developed yet like you're part of developing life on earth actually so the first time you're on earth on on the outside of the world uh, you actually hear this theme and it's so goosebump inducing it's just epic in every way especially back in the super nintendo days like it's just the perfect soundtrack all the way through it was hard to decide on a sound on a song from this soundtrack so i just picked this one and there there are actually like two two versions of this like the original super nintendo version and then it's like this weird other version where with semi-realistic instruments I guess it came on the soundtrack, which you could buy because it has never been re-released on any other platform. So um, I'm going to play both samples, which are actually pretty short. So just you can get a taste of, of what you what you can expect from. So, so the first one, this is actually a Super Nintendo version. Mike, what did you what do you think of it, and which one did you prefer? Oh, I, it's it's actually kind of hard for me to choose. There's there's things I like about both quite a bit, and uh, you know the the lower fi Super Nintendo version. Um, there's something about the the kind of the the string ensemble patch that's included on Super Nintendo that hits all the feels for me. Um, whether it's Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy, or, or even in this soundtrack, even though I didn't play this game, I don't have nostalgia goggles for it. Um, it's just, 
it just sounds so it's just so much of my childhood is in that sound <laughs> and uh, i love that um the realistic version, um, you know, in quotes, realistic. Um, the the one with the drum track and electric bass sound underneath it um, lands directly in PlayStation One land for me, like Symphony of the Night and a lot of Castlevania games, actually. And uh, you know, I, even as we were just listening to it now, I was thinking a lot about you know what is it about that that's like you know these Japanese video game soundtracks where they they have an orchestra. But then there's a drum set and a bass player. <laughs> and like it's kind of like a, a rock band's playing along. And then, oh, yeah, just kidding. There's an orchestra, too. And then there's these little flourishes here and there that remind you, oh, yeah, this is Japanese, too. And it's like <laughs> this amazing, strange mix that you don't find anywhere else. And uh, I think it's well captured here. Yeah, and I really enjoy the rhythm of it. It's in, in like in a swing rhythm or like in triplets from the beginning of the song, but you don't really notice because few of the notes actually make use of this one triplet rhythm. But then it goes into that second part, which I just played, and it goes all nuts, especially the bass is just walking all over the place in those triplets. <laughs> and I, man, I love that. Like I found myself so many times just standing on the overworld. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to. Uh, it's like when you get home in a car, but the song's not over. So you don't get out of the car because you want to keep listening until the song's over. This is this game. Like every time you want to visit some town, it's like, ah, no, I got to listen to that song. Now. And then and you're so in trouble in your loops. car because these are all designed to loop and it'll loop forever and you'll never yeah. leave your car. <laughs> um, I, that might be an interesting, if, if indulgent topic for a future episode is the best overworld themes of the Japanese oh, yeah. RPG heydays. Cause <laughs> I mean, some of Chrono Triggers are just uh, oh. unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> the, is it 680 wind yeah wind scene that's perfect uh man <laughs> okay we won't do it now okay i'll uh, do it after the show <laughs> yeah so i think we got a show there so as always yeah. we we keep a spotify playlist of every track we can find on spotify we throw into this playlist um from our picks of the week and uh, that's in our show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 43 for this episode. And uh, you'll find the links underneath the description. You can click, find our playlist, subscribe to it. That way, every time we pick new songs, you'll already have them. You can check them out and listen to them. If you don't know what to listen to, you can, uh, you know, rely on our good taste and our curation skills. We won't Yahoo you with our with our journalism here um we love feedback and uh, me and matt are both on twitter all the time we're on the internet all the time but twitter's all the time twitter's yeah. one of the best ways to talk to us so uh if you want to tweet at me i'm at medwards music and matt you are at echolox e-c-h-o-l-o-x so if you got questions you want to share a song with us you got topic ideas please reach out send it to us and we'll talk about it yeah, um, but only if you play live. Otherwise, we're probably not going to notice. Yeah, if you want coverage from us, you got to play live shows. Um, and uh, you should subscribe to Bits and Pieces so you get new episodes of our podcast automatically. And that's really easy to do. If you're on your mobile device, um, you can just tap the RSS or iTunes button if you're on an iPhone. And uh, that'll pop you over into your podcast player. If you don't have a podcast app, we have suggestions. So on iOS, there's a built-in app that works just great. Or you can use my favorite app, Overcast.fm. If you're on Android, check out Podcast Addict or Pocket Casts. 
Um, what if you're on Zoom? If you're on Zoom, you're just going to have to sync it over USB like an animal. Um, all of our podcasts can be downloaded as MP3s too. Um, not very easily through the website though, because we don't really incentivize that. But whatever, if you know how to view source, you can figure it out. Um, we also uh, so bits and bits and pieces is part of the Sunrise Robot Podcast Network, and you can support us directly at Patreon.com/slash/SunriseRobot. And what that does, it helps us pay the bills um, for what we do, all all this effort and recording and sharing files and uh, uh, getting what we do out into the world. It's a it's a labor of love. It's a, it's a passionate hobby of ours. We're gonna do it no matter what. But uh, every little bit you throw our way just helps us keep this going, and that's awesome. And with that, some special thanks to Benji Robinson, uh, our our top Patreon sponsor, uh, our, our Rihanna. Uh, transgressive uh music award winner <laughs> benji robertson um, who's also in a group called uh reptile fiction so you should google that so there we go episode 43 of bits and pieces thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time bye